0: Hello, this is Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head Brewery and Distillery. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cask Chasers podcast.
1: It's been a long time since I have asked you this question. I think. Um, how are you feeling today?
2: You really haven't asked that lately. I know. Yeah, fine.
1: I tried to get away from it.
2: <laughs> fine. Yeah. It's so I'm, bitter. <laughs> I'm feeling. I actually. I have an announcement. If you. Want,
3: if if you, <gasps> if you. If you say you're pregnant, me. I'm not. No. Okay. No. My announcement
2: is that Bobby bought Crocs. I did. Wait. <laughs> I did. I did. So listen. It, we hammered on the past few episodes. Mm-hmm. We have molested Aaron about his Crocs. I mean, yeah. we really have. Yeah, reputation but in the mud. In full disclosure, I'm going to hold him up. So I didn't go full Croc mode, though. I went Croc sneaker, which is which is a little bit more. I think the Crocs ki- in disguise. Yeah, the kids appreciate it. I think they see. Are we still call them kicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe. the kids like it. So. <laughs> Um, I
1: think if you have to phrase it like that, you're definitely in the cool category. a great
2: issue I've ever gotten. How, how comfortable are, are they? Com- they're stupid, comfortable. comfortable. Uh,
3: right. Like I I t- I told you when I got the the clog ones I put them on as a joke and then I was like oh no I gotta buy them now.
2: When I went in the Crocs store they were like here's a coupon for fifty percent off your next pair and I was like I'll never be back in the store.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you open up your closet and it's just a row of multicolored styrofoam shoes. It's like
2: a it's like a, a hip hop star's closet with like <laughs> but instead of Air Force One it's just nothing but Crocs <laughs> and I'm like a walking Croc closet. It's my only pair I'll ever own and whatever they're great for.
1: Until your fifty percent coupon. Yeah I, I don't. Find.
2: I'm yeah. I'm not 100% when I come to this show, and I can throw them on with. I also wear sweatpants, sweat, uh, wear sweatpants now. Yeah, so. yeah, it's a thing. I've I'm tried trying that. to
3: get me into wearing sweatpants. My I, problem with sweatpants is that I go swe- on. I sweat in them a lot, and I know they're called sweatpants, but I I run a little hot to begin with, mm. and I every once in a while it'll be cold at night, I'll put on like some like some jogging pants because let's be honest, I'm not doing any jogging sure. or something like that, and like 10 minutes later. I'm like I'm too hot, and I got to switch to shorts. So like the
2: idea of sweatpants to me, I just don't. I I have no idea. Our guest is going to think we're the most sloppy, depressed (laughs) people. How'd the show go? They need help. Yeah. They're in sweatpants and Crocs. They're bragging about it. Care less about. I don't know. The the days are shorter. Whatever. Our our guest won't be wrong. So,
1: (laughs) I just take comfort in the fact that um, love you both to death. Uh, our guest is probably a little bit cooler than the croc-wearing, sweatpants-wearing... <laughs> he,
2: he is by far the coolest man in Delaware, at least. So High praise? Is that high praise? It is. Okay. It is. <laughs>
1: uh, shall I go ahead and bring him on, then? I, I, guess
2: so. I need this train to stop, so Okay, please. all
1: right. Abort. We're going for it. With all that being said, <laughs> we are pleased to welcome onto the Cask Chasers podcast the president and founder of Dogfish Head Brewery and Distillery, Sam Caligoni. Sam, save us from ourselves.
0: <laughs> oh, actually, I think I'm on the wrong podcast. I, I thought I was participating in the Crockware wearer. Uh- <laughs> you know, and I totally do. I wear them. I got a green pair with. Or facts, but yes. Huckberry. Even even a website that is as hip as Huckberry is yeah. selling Crocs. So you're bringing them back, Bobby. You're doing the Lord's work. Thank you, Sam.
2: Thank that. you. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by. No, I it's not, <laughs> not. at all. Oh, I'd love it's not that. At all. I would love but, uh, that. Let's well, so let's talk about things that we uh, enjoy like, outside of Crocs and sweatpants. Yeah, and maybe things we like to drink. And that's whiskey. Yeah our listeners you're not confused we do have the king himself of beers and i said that i'll say mm-hmm. it one Craft of my, beers, my favorite yeah. beer um is actually uh made by dogfish head um plenty of them um the classic 60 minute is my jam and my go-to um but sam you've tiptoed into the whiskey world and you've been there for a little while man it's you've you've kind of put your toe in there early yeah. on what how many years are we in now into spirits in general
0: so i think our spirits just turned barley legal. I think we've been distilling for 20, 21 years, uh, whereas we've been brewing for about uh, 27 now. But uh, um, it's so cool that you guys have built this community uh, within uh, the, the first state and its bordering state of Maryland. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we opened as the smallest commercial brewery in America in 1995, and then like five years later, I was going through a scrapyard in uh, actually on the border between maryland and delaware Dicey down Route 16 uh come come in, and i found this chunk of stainless steel in the mud at the scrapyard that happened to have the geometry of a classic pot still so we bought it and we welded a little steam jacket on it we welded two kegs vertically to put our copper coil in for the Condensing unit, and away we went making uh, gins and rums and vodkas upstairs at our little pub in Rehoboth. So we kept it really small, our distilling side of our business for you know eighteen ish of those years, and then three or four years ago we put on our big boy uh, sweatpants and we put a big <laughs> a big distillery into our Milton facility. Yeah,
2: I don't believe anything can be done without a pair of sweatpants, in my <laughs> opinion. In my opinion,
0: <laughs> duct tape, bailing wire, and
2: yeah. man—that's that's, I can't think of. I mean, I think Silicon Valley has the same pitch. So oh, yeah. if we can have that here in Dell, so you're so Dogfish Head, and I think Katie, we were chatting about this beforehand. Craft as far as craft brew, and and there was this massive craft brewery movement and I'm guilty myself of you know setting up in my kitchen like I'm you know Walter White making beer um but now we have this whiskey craft whiskey movement which is kind of following the same path and I don't know if it's bold enough to say but Would that be possible without people like you that started the brewery movement and kind of got into the world of, hey, everybody, not everybody, of course, but we can do this at a smaller scale and grow with it? Because that's kind of what I I akin the whiskey movement, the craft whiskey movement movement to that. Do you do you parallel those two things?
0: Definitely, because, you know, you know pre sort of industrial revolution distilling and brewing was mostly happening at home home scale and then prohibition happened and the feds said you can't make or sell this stuff anymore and then post prohibition uh you know it was the world's biggest you know well funded entities that built these brands and uh and then it was really hard for the little producers to to shine through whether it's insert giant brewery name here, giant distillery name here, and then, you know, uh, President Carter made it legal to homebrew again, uh, and then people started putting little stills on their stove, and and it's really two loves that just got split in two. One of them goes through fermentation, and one of them goes through fermentation and distillation, but it's the same sort of classic rebellious American move that, you know, Miles Davis or Jackson Pollock went through to say, F this, I'm going to change change the game and and bring some more creativity into it. And that's what America's craft distillers and craft brewers are are doing in concert with each other now.
1: I love what you just said about the rebellious spirit and then just all of the the cultural tidbits that you just tied in. Like that's, that's the kind of conversation that I really enjoy in this setting. But with that in mind, now I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, what do you think were some of the things that started off the craft movement in this day and age, you know, like we're years past all of this being legalized now. But what are some of the things that you've seen in the world around us that you think uh, fed into people being so willing to jump on board with this?
2: What gave you the moxie to say, I'm going to make beer in a world of big beer makers? Did you
1: say moxie because we're just talking about post prohibition? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe.
0: Holy shit. And my dog's name
2: is moxie.
0: Ah, yeah. oh, right. up.
2: We do our research, Sam.
0: <laughs> we can't make this stuff up um so yeah so I mean like a lot of young you know i, I was pretty rebellious by nature I didn't want to work for the man and and uh, i loved beer and food and I, I so i decided to kind of marry those loves and a love of like storytelling I was an english major and I liked writing and sharing stories creative provocative stories and so a, a way we went to write stories around unique recipes and liquid and then what you know when you said what things have happened re- you know recently so just in those 27 years since dogfish opened you know what happened is sort of the whole uh, the virtual capabilities of connecting via the internet and that really leveled the playing field you know we're a brewery in rural coastal delaware a state that doesn't even have a freaking commercial airport can grow to be a top 20 craft brand nationally, I don't think that could have happened in the old days of bricks and mortar building a brand with billboards and TV ads. Um, And so I think similarly, the proliferation of small breweries and and distilleries around the world got the benefit of the connectivity that podcasts like yours or websites Mm -hmm. like Untapped and Beer Advocate can do to to level the playing field for awareness for small but great and unique uh, brands
1: great answer that was like (laughs) (laughs) not like I was trying to stump you or anything but no I I love the point that you just hit on and you know you're right this is also something that we've not only contributed to but we've really benefited from in terms of you know the entrepreneurship that you get in different aspects of the whiskey community which you know we talk about all the time with our listeners is just one of the most welcoming creative cultivating I don't know just inclusive types of places like the the conversations the ideas the people that kind of come together in that setting are so impressive and you know we benefit from that too
3: well i'd agree with that as well and i uh, to to everyone's point um that i i think not only is the the craft beer community and the craft whiskey community are not only does one follow the other just as far as um the how they came about, but they're also very similar people. Like, I mean, I'm, I don't consider myself a beer guy. I like beer. Um, there are, I can't speak super intelligently to it, but, I, you know, I, I go to craft breweries I, I, I go, uh, and, I, you know, events there, networking events, and I enjoy myself. And the type of people that gather there are really laid back, and they're very similar to, you know, the, the type of— Yeah, crazy people. So yeah. they're the yes. right type
2: of crazy, I guess, is what I'm, what well, I'm trying to say. The exact opposite. Yeah. I, I got into beer um, first, craft beer specifically. Yeah, I yeah. took a course in Wilmington University. Um, called the uh, Art of Brewing. And I don't even think they have it anymore, Wilmington, Delaware. And my wife took it as a date night, and it's where I experienced, I guess, craft beer or different beers. I think one of the things we talk about, sam, and and I, I, when I think of you, and i've I've saw you, I watched your discovery series years ago, and you know your kind of way about things, which is you know that off-centered, you know, let's do it differently, let's try different things, mentality. People ask me, you know, how are you going to have a show about whiskey? You know, that don't know whiskey. Why, how can you build an entire genre, an entire podcast around it? And I explain to these people, these, the makers of this are artists. They're, they're no different than a painter or a sculptor. And you hit the hell, head on, nail on the head earlier with, you know, Pollock and everything. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not just, you know, making a beverage, you know, and, mul- and, and mass production, you know, they're making something that has their stamp on it, has their name on it, their style, their brush stroke, if you will. And that's what we appreciate. And that's what the whole thing's about for you to make go from making the crazy beers. you've and you've made some crazy ones and some I mean, they're fantastic and off the wall and in every way to spirits and specifically whiskey made sense to us. And oh, I think, oh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it absolutely. just I, I it wasn't a oh, that's cool, because I know other breweries that are making whiskey. When you made it, when Dogfish had, I was like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, that yeah, uh, of course he is, and you've been waiting for this moment.
1: Mm -hmm. This happening right now. Um,
2: (laughs) We were singing two different songs, so yeah, but in harmonies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it just, it just, and I expected, and we've already tasted some of it, but I expected it to be kind of off the wall in a good way and just different. Your the mantra is you know off centered beer. How is your whiskey off centered? I mean, what was your plan? With this, what, what, how, what did you want to yeah. do to be the Sam we know with this stuff?
0: Yeah, so I mean, we wanted to try and find unique, you know, spaces in the, in the spirits world the same way we did with with beer. So with beer, it was all about we. we in my business plan, I wrote, "We'll be the first American brewery committed to brewing the majority of our beers." using culinary ingredients in addition to water yeast, hops, and barley. And so we started out of the gates with chicory and coffee and pumpkins and licorice and maple syrup. And I thought, well, you know, there's these few stylistic juggernauts in the world of beer that have become these international, you know, monolithic, you know, things that control the commercial beer landscape, light industrial lager being sort of the equivalent of a, sort of a flavorless vodka in my perspective in the spirits mm-hmm. world. And I said, okay, well we, we can do that on a, on a small scale and have fun with that uh, with beer. Why can't we look at it in the spirits world where similarly are these, these, you know, ju- these juggernaut, style lanes of gin, vodka, rum, whiskey, but how can we go and do something off-centered in those spaces the way we have with beer? So with rum, we worked with local apiaries here in Delaware and did a a brown honey-aged rum. With gin, we do a gin called Compelling Gin, and we source different hot varieties with different citrus peels, that you know play really beautifully with with each other and then so for whiskey we really said let's lean into what we know as brewers about really different obscure arcane grain styles uh and brewing yeast uh, you know the 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 almost you know limitless breadth of our knowledge on on how we play with different yeast strains and then different uh woods as well because we've been doing wood-aged beers uh, like Palo Santo marone for almost two decades as well. So for us, it's grains, yeast fermentation profile, and different uses of of woods is how we're really focused on differentiating our whiskey program.
1: Hey, babe. Yeah, honey. Um, could you talk to me about Single Cask Nation?
2: I've heard of these people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool guys. Cool guys. Yeah.
2: yeah. They're like independent bottlers. Sure are. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, Even I know that.
2: You should you should know that. Yeah. The seventh retail release of Single Cast Nation is hitting US shelves starting in July. What? Yeah. Six new casks of whiskey, anywhere between ten and twenty years old. Nice. Each one more delicious than the next. Wow. Yep. Every single cask has to be approved by me or my business partner, Jason Johnston Yellen. Mm-hmm. We only bottle the stuff that we fall in love with. Yes. We only bottle the stuff that we would want to open our wallets for.
1: I know it. Right? hmm
2: We're proud to have Impex as our importer, and Impex is proud to be a sponsor of the Cast Chasers podcast. Nice. I like how you stay traditional, too. Um, Applewood smoke. And, and on your website, it's Applewood smoke in lieu of peat smoke. So the mentality and understanding and respect for whiskey is in the language. And I think using, you know, yeast that you would firm your, I think you call it the doggy L yeast, you know, um, your own specific yeast, your own specific malts, these malts, these grains you typically find in brew production. It's not new to see beer malts and whiskey, but it is interesting on how you can utilize it. I I know a lot of distillers are, are, I don't want to say scared, but they're cautious with changing things up and getting too far. They, they all want to make a classic bourbon. They, they're they really worried about making something that's outside the box and has a little bit different take to it. I'm drinking, we're drinking right now, the straight whiskey. And I, I don't know me how, I, I thought this before. <laughs> me said, too. me <laughs> too. Me too. There is a, and this is going to sound like I'm being gratuitous and that's not, I mean this. I've, mm-hmm. I thought this before. It's delicious. First off, mm-hmm. there is a beer kind of esque thing going. You know, beer has that very a very um, malt kind yeah, of
0: thing I know. Is, going
3: is on. Is this is this entirely malted barley? The straight whiskey. Y-
0: yes, okay. it is. It's a it's a variety well, of different kinds of malted malted barley that's kind of giving it that different layers of sort of caramel and shortbread and yeah. I like get you know, butterscotch gingerbread a little bit in there too. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah,
1: It's funny to hear you guys kind of ping pong that comment back and forth. Cause as soon as you said that, well, first of all, I was getting more of the, the sweet, I was getting like an apple and maybe like a green sweetness on mm. the nose. Sure. But then as soon as you said, there's something beer oriented going on there, I immediately went like that to when I used to make beer bread in yes. oh, a yeah, Dutch sure. oven. Yes, yeah. that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, Very exactly. concentrated, mm-hmm. um, that still, yeasty. Yeah, yeasty, beer forward, but still light. Kind yeah. of, yeah. and
2: at forty percent, normally with a forty percent whiskey too, you you don't expect a crazy oily long finish. It's it's out there, yeah. Like it's got some distance to it. Well, and also
3: I I thought you were going to say what I was going to say because I was Never. also going to say at forty percent, but I was going to say something else. Um, at forty percent, you also I feel don't get this depth and layers of flavor. generally speaking. I mean, uh, obviously there's always exceptions to the rule, but there's a lot going on in here and every sip is a little, it's like, it's like peeling back the layers of an onion without tasting like an onion. Thank God. Yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> Are you guys getting a little bit of um?
3: Don't plant. This is in great. Sam's head. Great he'll, onion whiskey. he will have an onion. <laughs> His onion whiskey. How about funyun? No yeah. one's done a funyun. There movie. you go. <laughs> I love funyun. He doesn't talk the rest of the Why time. I, f- he I don't have any funyuns.
1: Darn it. We were joking. <laughs> Sam's right, like yeah, writing exactly. this down.
3: <laughs> we're like jokes. He's like brilliant.
1: Uh, <laughs> is anybody else getting like um? Almost like a mint tea kind of finish on the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: I'm mm-hmm. I'm not, but I I get the I get that a lot yeah, with, it, yeah. I get a little mint for sure. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's no, really good. That's really good. That's nice our
0: best-selling whiskey, and, and it's the one that we distribute the most broadly. And, you know, we're just now, come, you know, COVID willing, starting up our tour program in Milton again. And I want to give props to our distillers like Allison and Darren and uh, uh, Larry. And <laughs> if you come and visit us to see that Rick house full of, mm-hmm the different barrels and the beautiful pot stills, the copper pot stills from Vendome in Kentucky. Um, We're doing it the right way and it takes time. uh, And we're really proud of how this this thing, uh, this whiskey has has aged and and come to market.
1: So is this one of the ones that was made in the, (coughs) what was it? The Bride of Frankenstill? I was reading up a little on that. And I was hoping we could touch on the name. Is that the one
3: you were talking about that you found chunks of it from? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you come visit our
0: Milton Distillery and just park out in the brewery distillery parking lot, that is now a a sculpture outside of our oh. distillery. That's so cool. Is our original distilling system with a plaque on it. But now we have this beautiful, you know, copper copper stills that we bought from a company called Vendome that's yeah. been around for like over a hundred years uh in Kentucky that we're custom built for us and that's now where the straight whiskey is being produced on
3: that system one of my favorite things to see at distilleries is when they do keep like their first still or like their second still and and all of these things just just to see i i I think it's fantastic as opposed to just throwing it away keeping it and saying hey this is it's a daily reminder you know this is where we came from this is where we are now and i it's always it's always interesting for me to see the similarities and differences between the original still and and what you work off now it's just it's it's a thing I like. That's cool. And, and
0: I always think about that too when I visit breweries and distilleries and wineries. And what's funny is you can tell the ones that really bootstrapped it in their startup phase right. because they're the ones who open with such shitty yeah. equipment that they can afford to leave it in the corner of their tour space because no one would have bought it off of them. Right. Whereas, whereas really well financed, financed. Small breweries and distilleries, you go and visit them, and they sold their first equipment. It's not in their tour room because it was nice equipment. Yeah, right, right. Someone would buy it off of them. It, it still I'm looks sure impressive. The original brewery and distillery are still on our tour path. I,
2: I've seen some. Is that a propane tank? What yes. Is that? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've seen you, though, Sam. Sometimes there's shtick to it because I mean, I've literally seen you in a hut chewing corn, um, spitting, and you know, and, and malty. So sometimes I think. There's the minimalistic piece of uh, of, of making something that
1: Minimalistic was a, a very nice way of saying yeah, that. Good yeah, yeah. job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I I'll would purpose. have said gross and weird. But but pur- yeah, okay. Minimal. I said I'd try it. Yeah, I even told my wife <laughs> I, when I saw it. I said I would try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
0: boiled it. It wasn't yeah. even human saliva, but we boiled
2: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's great, man. So you're like, we talked earlier about you kind of being at the spearhead of a lot of things, specifically, in Delaware, I wanted to talk a little bit about we're good friends with, um, you know, Mike and Ron from Painted Stave. And you yeah. know, they're great people. And they're doing cool things over there with their whiskey. But there was some legislation that you kind of tapped into with Delaware specifically, where you where you really helped, you know, set a I guess, say, what's the word I'm looking for? A standard standard, um, for distillation rules and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of people, our listeners are all over the world, But they all know a small distillery or brewery that struggled or had to go against some type of state issue Mm -hmm. to just produce an art or the craft they want to do. It's not as easy as just, especially with spirits. I can make beer in my kitchen. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I'm not allowed (laughs) to make whiskey in my kitchen. You just leave the beer over. I can (laughs) can distill oils. A lot of essential oils in your house. Yeah, Yeah, from different, the feds will be here shortly. Anyway, can you talk a little (laughs) bit, of before I go to prison for that, can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, well, as it is still, like I said, Carter made it legal to home brew, but I st- I guess they say it's still not legal to home distill for whatever reason. Hopefully we're working on that as a society. But uh, similarly, post prohibition, the Fed said, OK, prohibitions over, but they left it up to every state to say, OK, now you have to activate your own state regulation to make it legal to brew, distill, make wine, whatever it is that had to do with alcohol. And I you know, I wrote the business plan and started going under construction at our building in Rehoboth to open the first brew pub in the state, 24 years old or whatever. And it was so naive. I didn't even realize it, the state didn't, it was illegal to make beer. Oops. So I was kind of <laughs> hanging my brewery sign over the building and someone walks by and goes, brewery, you know, it's illegal to make beer in Delaware. I have a friend who tried, but they told me it was illegal. I was like, fuck. So I got <laughs> my pickup truck, drove up to Dover and I was like, which one of these is the House of Representatives? Which one of this is the Senate? And I just literally, that's what's so great about being in a small state like Delaware. That's so ag-friendly and so entrepreneurial-friendly. When you think about, mm-hmm. you know, the ag community in Delaware, agricultural, and, mm-hmm. you know, how entrepreneurial from DuPont and, Go- and Gore, et cetera. We kind of were fortunate that our state's small, so you can get into the state house without, you know, having a payola and whatever hire a, a, mm-hmm. a lobbyist. And then uh, we respect the local entrepreneurial and agricultural intersection. So the yada, yada, yada is very naive and young and not being coming from politics. I was able to, with the help of a lawyer, Dick Kirk uh, in, in Wilmington, I wrote my own legislation. And, and we wrote legislation to make it legal to brew, legal to open a production brewery, legal to open a brew pub, legal to distill. Uh, so we and and we've always tried to do it in a way that was welcoming for all 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 businesses of all scales. So for example, in New York, if you own a cider facility, you can't make beer or spirits and Mm. every state's different. But in Delaware, we were able to say, allow these makers to have as broad of a a creative palette as possible. So you can, you know, have, have, you can make, make, make a lot of different liquids under the roofs as a maker in Delaware. And, uh, and it was cool to work with the legislators to create that,
2: that opportunity. That's awesome. And we have a lot of breweries popping up all over Delaware. Yeah. and I'm not mad about yeah, it. Only Me two too. distilleries, I mean, counting Dogfish Head and Painted Stave, that I know of. I don't think there's another distillery. I can't think of another distillery. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there's a little tiny one. An, a, a former Dogfish co-worker, uh, Greg Christmas, has a little distillery five miles from here uh, in Lewis called Beach Time. So I want to give oh, them cool. recognition. Oh, that is yeah. cool.
2: Yeah. yeah, right on.
0: I don't know that they're making whiskeys, but I think they focus on rum. And some other things, but that's they're the third at least. Okay, also. Awesome. Well that's
2: where a lot of these distilleries start off with rum or gin, because with clear spirits, all yeah. All yeah, it's yeah. And cocktails and whatnot, which is a big thing with you. I've had your you know, your bottled cocktails and everything. They're okay. again fantastic in every way. And uh, I've been to the both facilities in Rehoboth and Milford, both worth a visit. Both awesome facilities. I mean you there's a tree house out in front of it. It's just amazing. I was going to say, the, art, 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 the just,
1: creativity and the design element just screams. comes everywhere.
2: Yeah, you, you can just, and you're not, it's not your typical tour or look. To the It's it's fun. It's a fun trip. And, you know, I, I, I highly recommend going. I hope it's a great beach. So for the listeners out there, specific on the East Coast, it's, it's a drive. You definitely check it out. It's, it's worth your drive.
3: All right, Chasers. That concludes part one of our episode with Sam from Dogfish Head. Join us next week for part two. If this is your first time listening, welcome. You can listen to us anywhere that you stream podcasts. You can check us out on Cast Chasers on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can also go to our website where you'll find more content and merchandise at www.castchasers.org. And remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase.